Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, adventurers, and on today's show, I have Terry Real. He is a nationally recognized family therapist, author, and teacher. He is particularly known for his groundbreaking work on men and male psychology, as well as his work on gender and couples. He has been in private practice for over 30 years. Terry founded the Relational Life Institute in Arlington, Massachusetts, dedicated to working with the general population to help women reclaim their voices and men open their hearts. The Institute offers training programs for therapists as well as workshop and trainings throughout US and Canada. Terry has appeared often on the Relationship Expert for Good Morning America, ABC News, Oprah's 2020, The Today Show, CNN, New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Psychology Today, and many others. So without any delay, I'd like to welcome Terry. Hey, how you doing, man? It's great to be here. It's great to be here, brother. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate you being on the show and I appreciate all the work that you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been a journey. I got to tell you, I've been at this for a while. <laughs> That's great. I would love to first get started. Please let me know just a, a little bit of your journey. Speaking of which, how did you get from, from the very beginning all the way up to all of the good work you've done helping the, the men and men, women across the land? Well, I, you know, Dylan, I, I like to say I started off as a family therapist at about four uh, in my uh, dysfunctional family. And uh, my first book, I don't want to talk about it, published back in the 90s, it was the first book ever written about male depression. And it, it's uh, there's a large chunk of that book that's autobiographical. I talked about my own depression. Uh, I was raised by uh, a depressed, angry father. Uh, he was raised by a depressed, angry father. And uh, I got to tell you, I had two boys now in their 30s, one an entrepreneur, the other in uh, med school. And uh, neither of those boys is going to say that. And I got to tell you, that is just about the best thing I've done in my life so far. I call it breaking the chain. Hey, can I tell you um, my most quoted, I've written four books now. Can mm -hmm. I tell you the, the one quote that's cited more than any others? Go for it. Family pathology, family pathology rolls from generation to generation like a fire in the woods taking down everything in its path until one person in one generation has the courage to turn and face the flames. That person brings peace to his ancestors and spares the children that follow. That's my work, and that's the work that I want to bring into the world, breaking the legacy. It's so powerful. I mean, one of the things that, like, in our era, because of just how we grown up, there's men primarily get two emotions. They get angry and they get good, right? I'm angry, I'm good. That's about the, the, the spectrum of male tolerated emotions, even though they, that women say that they want it and the other things, yeah. it's not don't, always accepted. Don't forget lust. We're oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Lust. You're right, you're right. There's the, the, yeah. the trifecta, good, angry, and uh, you know, so that makes a lot of sense. So uh, that sounds incredibly powerful. So can you talk to me just a little bit about what causes this this um, this generational pathology that happens with angry, depressed men and kind of how you've worked to open up men's hearts? Well, first of all, uh, it's a good time to be opening up men's hearts. Mm -hmm. 
because uh, because women are asking for it, and our children are asking for it. You know, the essence of traditional masculinity is invulnerability. The more invulnerable you are, the more manly you are, the more vulnerable you are, the more girly you are. And as a lot of people have figured out, it's our human vulnerabilities that connect us, that make us close to each other. And so in heterosexual relationships anyway, women across the West, you know, empowered by feminism, empowered by changes in the workforce, uh, are insisting on more levels of emotional connection from us guys than most of us have been raised to deliver. In fact, just the opposite. Research tells us that uh, little boys in the playground uh, demonstrate uh, less willingness to express emotion. Do you know how what age it hits them? Uh, oh. three, three, four, five years old. Wow. By the time a boy is three or four, he's already figured out the code of masculinity. Got to be strong, got to be tough, don't express too much, don't feel too much, never be vulnerable, never depend on anybody. You know, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're an island. Three, four, five, these kids have learned that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it, it's a role that, you know, it, it makes great Clint Eastwood movies, but it doesn't make for very good husbands and fathers. And uh, we have to shape up. Now, a, a lot of the response to, uh, look, I, I'm a medic in the gender wars. I mean, uh, people fly in from all over the country. They see me for two days, these two-day intensives, at the end of that time, you're on, on track or getting a divorce. I'm the last stop. That's my beat. That's my practice. And uh, women drag in men. They say they want communication and this and that. But what they really want is more relational guys. They want guys who can connect from yeah. the heart, who can talk about their feelings, who can listen to a woman talk about her feelings and not get defensive and go through the roof. And these are the things that uh, sort of our wives and our children, and uh, if you're non-binary or if you're gay, our, our, our same-sex uh, partners are insisting on from us. We, we want real intimacy in our relationships. That's an historically brand new demand. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the, the response has been very conservative. If we could just get women to back off and go back to the 50s, all would be well. I don't want women to back off. I think intimacy is a great thing. I want men to stand up and meet these new demands. There's a relationship technology that you can master. Both men and women need to master. How to speak up and be loving at the same time. Who does that? How to put yourself aside and listen with a generous heart how to give your partner what they're asking for and deal with the disappointment when you don't get what you want. Nobody teaches our kids how to do these things. They couldn't be more basic, but um, we need to learn how to master a few skills in order to have the new intimate relationships that both men and women want these days. That's beautiful. You're talking about being the last stop of people's relationships before it's either divorce or, you know, um, you know, go nowhere kind of stuff. What, what do you say 
are the common patterns that you see when they're when they're kind of in these loops, these cycles, because generally men and women get in patterns where one triggers one that triggers the other one and they just kind of become two dogs barking at each other. So yeah. what what are some of the patterns that you've seen common then and, and how have you seen them try to break those patterns to get out of those cycles? Well, um, look, let me get if your uh, listeners just get this one piece of advice, I wanted to get uh, actually, I have two things to say. Okay, okay. The first is for men in particular, and it's not just in our relationship to other people, but very much our relationship to ourselves. And one of the things that I've learned about coming out of the old code is this. Ready? There is no redeeming value in harshness. Let me get that straight. There is nothing that harshness does that loving firmness doesn't do better. Now, a lot of the people listening to us have big inner critics. Uh, They're perfectionistic and they're driven and they're relentless. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm holding my feet to the fire. I'm insisting on excellent bullshit. There are more humane ways of doing it, whether you're a manager with a direct report or whether the direct report is you to yourself. Uh, If you are speaking harshly to another person, If someone is speaking harshly to you, or if, God forbid, you are speaking harshly to yourself, I have big news. You ready? Knock it off. Knock it off. There's nothing that harshness does that loving firmness doesn't do better. And so when I get down to real teaching real nuts and bolts skills, one skill I teach, which is primarily uh, 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 important for women right now, is how to stand up for yourself with love. How to be assertive and cherishing your partner and the relationship at the same time, in the same breath. How to say no and I love you in the same breath. Now, people don't do that. Under patriarchy, you're either powerful or you're connected, but you're not both at the same time. Because... Mm. Under patriarchy, power is power over, not power with. So when you move into power, you break connection. And so the standard setup is feminine, affection, affiliation, connection, masculine, independence, competence, power, and, you know, there there you are. Now, when women decide to speak, a lot of times they scoot from the traditional feminine side, Mm. which is accommodating, to the masculine side, which is I don't really give a damn, And when they do speak, they speak in ways nobody could possibly listen to. So I want people in general and uh, women in particular to exercise what I call soft power. Darling, I love you. It's the difference between this. I'll be real simple. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the difference between saying, Dylan, role play Dylan, not the real you. Dylan, I'm not speaking disrespectfully to you. I don't like the way you're talking to me. Pipe down. That's one way of saying it. Or a more skilled way of saying it, hey, Dylan, I want to hear what you have to say. I care about you. Could you dial it down so I could really listen to it? Now, there are two ways of saying the same damn thing, but which one do you think is going to be more effective? Absolutely. What you're talking about is creating space for people, right? Space for them to be heard, space for them to feel heard and felt so that they can really connect with each other. That's a really powerful thing because it seems to be it's either fight or flight, 
right? right. It's either give in or dominate. But that that fine line, that pocket that you're talking about of being able to set in, and that's the 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 there's two pieces of this coin I'd love to dive into. One of the pieces um is is the awareness, the other one is the action. So because some people do make that confusion of like, oh, I'm doing this for your own good. This is this is this is because I love you, right? And that's but are you so how how what actions could they take to become aware? Are they are they being harsh or are they being loving firm? Because that's a very that's a series of grays that is very difficult to um, articulate unless you're actually aware of it. So what questions okay. could people ask themselves to identify what side here's of some, they're on? Here's some rules. Yeah. Here's some rules. First of all, stay on your side of the street. Therapists all over the world teach people to speak from the I, the pronoun I, not you. You did this. You did that. You're a jerk. You're this. Last week you did that. Two weeks. No, that's no. We don't want that. Mm -hmm. Say I. Uh, when you said that, I got upset. Not even you made me upset. That's victim talk. I got myself upset. You know, my kids talk like this. It's artificial, but we taught them. Dad, when I called you yesterday and you didn't call me back for a, a whole day, I got myself feeling. Uh, uh, lonely and angry and abandoned by you. Uh, so when this happened, this is how I felt, period, end of story. Get your finger out of your partner's brain. Two, don't try to control them. Don't tell them what they should or shouldn't do. Tell them what you would like. And three, keep it positive. I ask people to let go of complaint. You did that wrong and replace it with request. This is what right would look like. Mm -hmm. And we all go to what's wrong. Sometimes I have people like literally write down the complaint and then flip the paper over and write down the positive request. But every complaint has a request in it. Lead with the request. Tell your partner what they could do right, not what they just did that was wrong. So these are some rules on how to speak in ways that get you listened to. Cherish your partner appreciate hey I, hey dylan i'm i'm really appreciative that you are willing to sit down and clear the air with me right now thank you that's that's a good friend i i appreciate that start with that who the hell ever starts with that you know i i gotta tell you can i tell you a story yeah please continue all right this is how i learned this stuff from my friend alan i was on his porch the kids were running around they were little and he'd done something to piss me off and I was really mad at him. So, uh, you know, our, our families are there. He's got the fresh bluefish in the smoker that we caught that morning. It's been a great day. And uh, I say to him, Alan, I just can't be here and enjoy myself with all this shit that I'm carrying around from what you did, blah, 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 blah. I got to clear the air. And then I launch into it. You did this and you did that and blah, 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 blah. So he stands up, and he, he's hurt and angry. I mean, he's vib his body is vibrating. The moment is really intense between us. Yeah. And, okay, you ready? This is what he says to me, the son of a gun. He, he opens up, and he looks at me, and he goes, Terry, the first thing I got to tell you is that I love you. Holy shit. I love you. You're one of my best friends. I expect to be best friends till the day we die. What I'm about to say has nothing to do with that. Okay, we're clear? Good. Now, 
You walk onto my porch in the middle of my family as my guest, and you unleash a kind of self-righteous anger at me, which, as you know, I grew up with in my family, and I spent most of my life trying to get the hell away from. I don't appreciate you walking into the porch and dumping it on me. Hey, I can't control you, and I don't want to. But every time you throw that kind of energy at me, particularly in front of my family, I'm going to tell you just how much I don't like it. And brother, I don't like it. Am I being clear? That's what he said. You know what I said? Hmm. That's what I said. I said, because uh, he had me with Terry, I love you. Yeah. See, I'm a blue collar kid from New Jersey. I, he wanted to fight with me. I was I was ready to go. No problem. Could have done it in my sleep. But Terry, I love you. This has nothing to do with that. Now, I don't want to control you, but let me tell you how I feel when you act like that. Holy crap. I It just it totally disarmed me. And that's where I first started thinking about this idea of loving power. You can be powerful and you can cherish the person you're speaking to both at the same time. It takes some practice, but it's one of the things I teach people. That's so powerful. Leading with that love first. And then, I mean, there's, I mean, there's like a, a ninja tactic inside there of jujitsu of communication that you, even though he felt the rage and everybody wants to lean in with the rage first, because everybody I didn't notice that the typical patterns is let me scream at you until I feel heard and then I'll make space versus flipping that around and going, I'm going to lead with love first. And then, and then, and then talk about that from a position of how your actions, what your actions did and then how, how I felt. And then when that, that not wanting to control someone, but feel heard, yeah. ooh, that's, that's yeah. really, that's really powerful. Yeah. Um, well, it taught me a lot and it changed the way I teach people. And now I, I want to talk, Dylan, uh, about how to respond to that. Yeah. Because uh, now this is more for guys, but they're both for both. But, you know, look, first of all, I have a bitter pill to swallow that I ask all my people to swallow. Here it is. Objective reality has no place in personal relationships. Let me say it again. Objective reality is a loser when it comes to personal relationships. Look, the relational answer to the question who's right and who's wrong is who cares. No one cares. The real question is how are you and I going to get through this thing in a way that's going to work? We live yeah. together. We love each other. Like, what are we going to do? Hmm. I'm writing, I just finished a new book. It's coming out in March. I already made a plug to come back on your show yeah. back up in March to talk about it. But the name of the book is called Us. That's the title of the book. Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship. And when people get triggered, and we can talk about trauma and how trauma impacts relationships. When people get triggered, they lose the us. They lose the sense of the relationship and it's you versus me, win-lose, zero-sum. And when you're in that world, you're in trouble. And one of the first things I teach people is how to shift out of that fight-flight, you-me, one-win, one-lose into the more adult 
wise. It's actually a different part of the brain, prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. Uh, the adult wise you that understands that we're connected together. Look, when you start thinking ecologically, relationally, that's what the whole new book's about. You're thinking ecologically in your relationships. Your relationship, whether it's work or home or friendship or whatever, your relationship is your biosphere. Okay? You're not above it. That's patriarchy. You don't control it and dominate it. That's patriarchy. You are in it. You breathe it. It's your atmosphere. Your relationship is your bias. Now, you can choose to pollute your biosphere with a puff of anger over here, but brother, you're going to be breathing in that uh, pollution in your partner's withdrawal and lack of generosity or sexuality over here. You and your partner are connected. You're not out of it. Uh, you have to have the humility of understanding your, you know, I say over and over again to people, happy house, happy spouse. Well, a guy says to me, why should I bend over backwards to make her happy? And the answer is because you live with her, okay? <laughs> like wake up and smell the coffee. You're not above your marriage, you're in your marriage, and that's true for every relationship that we're in. So once you understand that, mm-hmm. Once you understand that the question who's right and who's wrong uh, is who cares, the, the, then uh, you can listen. The first order of making repair with your partner when your partner's upset or somebody in business or whatever is uh, you have to bring them back into repair with you. Mm. Now, everybody gets this wrong, Dylan. Everybody thinks it's a conversation. It's a two-way street. Well, you tell me what your issues are with me, and I'm going to tell you what my issues are with you. You tell me what your issues are with me, and I'm going to tell you why I have the... No. It's a one-way street. When your partner is in a state of disrepair, I like to say I want you to feature yourself as being at the customer service window. Somebody comes to you at the customer service window and says, my microwave doesn't work, right? They don't want to hear from you, well, my toaster doesn't work, do they? No. They want you to fix their damn microwave. So pay attention to the ouch uh, that you're trying to fix and be of service to helping them feel better. It's a one-way street. That's a powerful statement to look at that and to realize that in that moment, it's like, we're not always going to need at the same level at the same time. So understanding that the partner say, okay, am I in a situation where my partner needs me? Okay. Well then I'm going to be of service to my partner in that time to be there, to repair, to be that. Cause you both can't sit there and repair each other at the same time. You both can't scram at each other and be heard at the same time. You have to be, I love the idea. Okay. She's uh, she, for me would be, she is at the, she's in a state of disrepair and she needs me to be at the customer service window where then I go, a good evening, Miss. How can I help you today? I'm here to be of service to you. What do you need in order to feel better? Coming right up. Ooh. You know, Ooh. that is the ten thousand dollar question, my friend. Yeah. Is there anything I could say or do right now that would help you feel better? That's the most direct invitation to repair. Yeah. What can I do to be of service to you? Who the hell does that? But it's going to get you out of the hole. I, I can speak to that just this uh, Sunday. So me and my fiance are getting married in about two-ish months. 
And oh, she's, congratulations. Thank you. And she's stressing a little bit on the wedding. And I'm just like, what do you need? I'm here for you. What do you need? This is your thing. This is our thing, but this is your thing. What do you need? I'm here for you. We're going to figure this out. And I'm just, because I, I want to make sure that everything lines up for her. So she's this, and this is one of the points where I, I've, I, I, I'm here with her, but at the same time, I'm of service to her so that she can, she can really feel free to enjoy the time because I, I know how much, um, uh, uh, pressure, pressure she feels in the situation. Yeah, and that's, yeah. This is my one mindset where I can go into a situation where I'm like, okay, I'm here for you. I want to make this awesome for you because I want to make this awesome for us. So what can I do to make your life better? <laughs> that's, a very, that's a very enlightened uh, position. Well, what I, mean. I just want to work. I just want it to work. I want her to be happy. I want it to go smoothly. That's my right. goal. Okay. Now let, uh, let me ask yeah. you a question. It may yeah. seem silly, but why, why do you, why are you willing to do all this? What do you get out of it? I think specifically for the wedding in my, in my mind, it, it comes down to, I think um, I want to make it extra special for her because I know how important it is. And so, all right. So stop there. So one of the reasons why you want to make it uh, better for her is because you love her and you want her yeah. to not have a bad experience, but a good one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. What, yeah. Why else? Um, I, I understand she needs it. She's in a place where she's feeling energy, where it, it feels overwhelming. And I want to do whatever I can to take on that load and to make sure that she feels supported, make sure she feels safe, make sure she feels loved, make sure she feels cared for. Um, because yeah. I want I know, her to. But, hey, listen, what if you, what if you, you want white roses and she wants red? I mean, what are you going to do about that? I'm, I'm going to give her the red roses. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hear her out for this, for this situation specifically. Um, I want, I want to, I, it, to me, it's, it's more important that her needs get met in the situation. I can communicate what I want, but at the end of the day, and, and for, for me personally, for the wedding is I want, I want her to feel like she, that she gets what she, I want her to have the ideal wedding. I want to, I want her to feel loved and supported and valued yeah. and appreciated. And that's kind of my intention going into this, which is a really, it hasn't caused any fights because I'm just like, there might be something I don't want. And I just go, okay, we can do that. And I just kind of go, okay, we can do that. I said, all right, is- now, two things. You, yeah. you, you enlightened being you. I want to <laughs> underline two things. One is um, you, you are yielding. Mm-hmm. And I talk to men in particular about what it means to be a family man. Mm-hmm. And stepping up to be a family man requires a hell of a lot of yielding. And traditional masculinity does not equip us to yield. We have to stand, we have to hold our ground all the time. Otherwise, you're not a real man. But that stops us from being able to be giving. You're, you're being giving and yielding to your partner. It's more important to her than it is to you what, what color the roses are. So, you, so what, what's it given? The, the thing that I ask people to ask themselves is this. Hmm. What will it cost me? If you're trying to make peace with your partner, you ask yourself, what will it cost me to give them what they're asking for? And if the answer is big, I mean, you know, if she wants diamond tiaras and you want paper plates, then maybe uh, it's too big and you have to stand, it's time for a fight. But if the answer is, this isn't really going to cost me much, then be generous. Mm. And you are, you're being generous of heart when you, uh, when you yield on the flowers. Uh, And the third thing I want to point out is, and this is the wise part, 
It's in your interest. Why are you doing this for your fiance? Because you want a great wedding. <laughs> right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. I'm doing it. I'm doing it for you, but I'm also doing it for us. And and I've noticed that it's been very smooth because of that. Um, which I don't I can't say that I do this all the time, but for this one specifically, for this venue, I'm like, okay, yeah. I want you to be happy, I want you to be proud, I want you to feel good, I want you to be stress-free, I want all these things for you, specifically in this wedding. So I'm I want to be of service. And I've noticed that the a lot of the where I can feel her energy rise, I come in to be like, and it, it is it, it, when you said guest services, it really rung true in my mind. Uh, for the decades ago, I was in guest services, but that is where I'm at. I'm like, what, what do you need miss to have this be awesome? I've got you. Let's go. Um, yeah. and it's, a, well, it's a, I'll it's... tell, I'll tell the guys listening to us, mm. uh, a, a, a good tip. Mm. Uh, generally speaking, an angry woman is a woman who does not feel heard. And what happens when we're faced with an angry partner is we get defensive. And they feel even less heard, and they get even angrier. If you wanted this, you're right when you said it, there's a little ninja action here. I talk about relational jujitsu. Yeah. If you want to disarm somebody with a lot of energy, mm -hmm. yield and go with the energy. Don't oppose the energy. You're going to wind up in a fight. Mm -hmm. So you ask yourself, okay, can I give in here? What's it going to cost me? It's not going to cost much. Sure. How can I be of help to you? This is called being a generous partner. Mm. And it comes back to you. That's the last point I wanted to say about that. I, I don't speak to people about altruism. I don't even like the concept of altruism. I talk about enlightened self-interest. It's in your interest to keep this gal happy because you live with her and you're going to marry her. So like it's in your interest to do this well. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. I feel that way. Let me ask you a question for this. So in this situation, cause this one, it's, it's a, for, for me, for this one situation, it's very easy because I'm just, it's already, I'm already dialed into this. What about times when people are unaware that they're in this aggressive mindset, they're in this, they're in this combative, I win, you win, zero sum kind of game. What are some ways to to recognize that you're there and then be able to flip to this enlightened self-interest kind of path? Because I think part of it is that awareness that you're yeah. even doing it. And yeah, then yeah. that 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 uh humility or that lack of ego to be able to switch that like how how does that how does that work? Well, uh, the first thing, remember I, I said earlier about triggering and, and trauma? Mm -hmm. the, the, the first thing to understand is that when you're in that triggered, heated moment, and you're, I, I, it's like looking at your partner through the wrong end of a telescope. You forget that you love them and that you're a team and you're working together. And it's now, it's fight or flight, me versus you. One of us wins, one of us loses, and don't push me around. And when you're in that space, the, the tough news is you're literally in a different part of your brain. You're in a different part of your neurology. You have been triggered like trauma, and you are in self-preservation. That part of you will not use a single of the skills that we've been talking about. 
Yeah, I gave a workshop. Uh, now uh, my students are doing it, but we have a workshop we give all over the country called the boot camp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it has slides, it has PowerPoint. My favorite slide is this one. Other workshops teach you skills. We deal with the part of you that won't use it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. And the first skill is just what you name starting to recognize when you're triggered, when you're not in us consciousness, where it, when you're in me and you adversarial consciousness. Get to feel, I, I teach people to get to feel like, like your, your armpits are sweating, your back is up, your throat is tight, whatever your particular, I ask them to dial into their bodies and start to recognize when they're, when they're triggered, when they're heated. And uh, I'm a big fan of taking a break. The count to 10 if you're standing there. If that's too much for you, literally arrange with your partner so they know in advance what you're doing. A, a, a timeout, 20 minutes, I'll be back. You always got to say I'm coming back. And you got to come back when you say you're coming back. 20, 30 minutes, I'm going to collect myself, I'm coming back. And then you take that 20 minutes, you, you splash some water on your face, you do some breathing, do some meditating, Talk to one of your inner children. Do whatever you need to do to get yourself back in that place where mm-hmm. you're, 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 you got your eye on the prize. You mm-hmm. remember what you're about. I call it remembering love. You remember that the person you're speaking to is somebody you care about. And the reason why you're speaking is to make things better. You know, somebody once said, wait, why am I talking? And be honest with yourself in the moment. Uh, in uh, in my last book, The New Rules of Marriage, uh, and you can also get it on uh, Fierce Intimacy, this audio book that you can get, uh, I talk about five losing strategies. And we don't have to beat them into the ground, but let me just name them. Being right, we're going to solve this problem when we determine which of the two of us is right. Uh, controlling your partner Things will get better when you do, 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 do. Uh, Unbridled self-expression, ventilating. You did this. Last week you did it. Last year you did it. You son of a bitch. You always, you never. Retaliation. I'm going to hurt you the way you hurt me. So, you know, a little puff of hostility. And withdrawal. I'm going to shut down. You Just leave me alone. I'm not listening. Being right. Controlling your partner, ventilating, retaliating, or withdrawing. None of these is going to get you more of what you want. None of them, ever. So uh, if you're interested, start to learn what your particular profile is. When I get triggered in the heat of the moment, I tend to do this or some combination. Dylan, if you're willing, let's do it right now. Sure. When you get triggered, okay, uh, which one of us is right? Uh, I will be happy if you only do this differently. Uh, let me tell you all the things that you do wrong, always and never. Mm. Let me let me hurt you a little the way you hurt me, or let me shut down and withdraw, and you can't get to me. Which kind, which or combination do you go to? I think it would be being right, like I'm right, you're wrong, that kind of thing, uh, mm-hmm. and then probably the uh, focusing on the negative. And saying that you always do this negative and, and just focusing oh, yes. on that, that would probably be my combination. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm good, you're bad. 
This is and, and let me tell you all about it. Let me tell you all the negative things that you want versus the like focusing on the positive that you said, yeah. like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was the way I would do it. You know, instead of the way you do it, you know, so. I'm so great. Let's get me go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sarah, can I tell you the big problem with trying to solve your problem by figuring out which one of you is right? Yeah, please. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when I do that in my marriage, my wife has this terrible habit of thinking that she's actually the one that's right. I don't know if you've ever found that, but uh, yeah. I've experienced that. Yeah. I, I don't know what she's talking about, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Figuring and people get into this for hours. Yeah. So, you know, arguing over the evidence and making your case mm. like you're, you're in front of the judge. Uh, it, forget it. It's a total waste of time. The answer isn't who's right and who's wrong. The answer is, okay, how are we going to make this work in a way that's going to work for both of us? Let's remember we're a team. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, uh, unbridled self-expression. Let me tell you just how miserable I am because of what you've done. Uh, how well does that usually work for you? Not normally. Yeah. Normally it's a shutdown. Yeah, the, the other person shuts down and yeah. it's just over the top and you, I feel better from doing it. And I go, ah, oh, well, I feel better now that I've dumped all my toxicity on top of you. And then why, what, what's wrong with you? Why are you disconnected? I don't yeah. understand. I don't, I don't yeah. get why you're not, why, why, yeah. why don't you feel as good as I do now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, no offense, but I call this the barf bag approach to intimacy. <laughs> it's like, here, you hold it. <laughs> okay now you got it i feel so much what you can seem to have a problem over there i feel so much better yeah no 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 so uh, instead of, so one of the ways in which you can determine mm -hmm. are you in your centered adult self looking to make things better or are you in an immature part of you that wants to either Prove you're right, control your partner, ventilate till the cows come home, get even or get left alone. And the first order of business is understanding, just like you did with me now, what your go-to is going to be and then recognizing it when you do it. Then take a breath or 10 and remember love. Oh, yeah. I, if you can't remember that you love the person, remember that you live with them and you're going to have to deal with them. So it's in my interest to help you feel better. And then I'm at your service. What do you need to feel better? You put yourself at their service for your sake. Let me, let me be very concrete. Belinda and I are both fighters. My wife Belinda and I are both fighters. We both grew up in raging, violent families. This is no joke. And uh, and back in the day, 30 years ago, we, we could fight for six or seven days in a row. I mean, yelling, screaming, <laughs> you know, go, go to sleep at three in the morning, get up at seven, tell other people how to live their lives all day, go, come home at five and start fighting again. That's what we did. Nowadays, on a good day, mm -hmm. Not every day, but a good day, and mostly they're good. We'll start to get at it, and one of the other of us will call a break, just 20, 30 minutes. And then one of the, and th thankfully we take turns, but one of the other of us will kind of come downstairs and say something like this. Uh, hey, Belinda, I, I don't really want to fight. Do you want to fight? I mean, I don't really want to fight. Can we get out of what, what, what do you need? Well, Terry, 
you could say you're sorry about blah, 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 blah. And of course, my knee jerk is to get defensive and argue with her, but I take a breath. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry about blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, what do you need? Well, Belinda, you could be accountable about blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, I could have done that a little better. Okay. We're good. I'm good. You good? I'm good. Great. Let's make some tea. And that's what a fight sounds like these days. And what I want to tell you is what is guiding me in the why I go downstairs and go, I don't really want to fight you. What I'm thinking about, honest to God, is this. Uh, how do I want to spend my evening? That's what I'm thinking about. Do I want to spend my evening screaming and yelling at this person? Or do I want to spend my evening in getting the cold shoulder? Or would I rather, you know, like snuggle in the couch and watch some cool TV show? Or, you know, how do I want to spend my life? How do I spend my time? And that is being in your wise adult self. That is so powerful. And that is such an amazing like concept and pattern. And I'm sure there's a, there's a, there's an amazing amount of depth that you can dive into that where you look at and you realize, okay, we're, we are, we're in it. We're in our fighting mode. I mean, we go at it. I feel this that same way that me and me and my lady, we, we can, we have the, a ton of endurance to be able to continue with the fight, but that ability to take a break away, have a breath and then go, can we can we not fight? What can, what do you what do you need in order for us to not fight? Like that right there to be able to like, I almost picture it like mentally. What I'm picturing is almost like there's a doorway to escape. There's a doorway to escape right. this thing. But the problem is is the door swings inwards and I'm standing at the door trying to open it and won't get out. So I've got to take a step back and then open up that door. That's right. Let it, let it come through so that I can walk through. Otherwise, I'm gonna be why won't this door open? But there's no space for me to actually open up this door to go outwards. That's um, really beautifully said. Uh, absolutely is beautiful. That space to stand back and see the damn door to begin with, <laughs> you know, to see the forest and not be smack up against the tree. That space is literally shifting into a different part of who you are, a different part of your brain. And uh, uh, are you in an immature, triggered uh, space? Uh, when I come back, I'll talk more about triggering and how that works. Sure. Uh, am I in a mature? You know, as a therapist, the most important question I ask when I'm talking to somebody is not what are the stressors here? Because a good couple can handle stress. And it's not. What's the dance? What's the core? You know, the more she pursues, the more he distances, the more he distances. That's important. But that's, the most important question I ask myself is this. Which part of you am I speaking to? Am I speaking to an immature child part that wants to be right, control, all those losing strategies? Or am I speaking to an adult who wants to make things better? You know, the first step in the repair process is remembering that you want to make repair to begin with. Let me say that again. The first step in making repair when things go off the wheel is getting into a place where you're willing to make the repair to begin with rather than screw your partner into the ground or, 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 or. When you're in that place, the skills will follow. If you're not in that place, all bets are off. 
That is incredibly powerful because you recognize that the only way to get, the only way to apply the strategies and all the other things is to first get to that mindset. But then if you, if you won't even, that, that great, uh, that question, I always say every quest starts with a question. And that first quest is, is who am I speaking to? Where am I at? And then understanding, okay, what do we need to do to get in that mindset and then shift that? Because if you can get both people um, in that mindset at the same time, that's incredibly powerful. Uh, one of the things is that, um, my fiance says, is we both can't be crazy at the same time. Hey, if that's a lot. That's one of my lines. <laughs> in relationships, everybody gets to go crazy, but you have to take turns. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's exactly it. And that's that. And, and she could have gotten that from you. Uh, she, I just got it from her. And, and that was a, that was the thing. Is, is if we can recognize and we help guide the other people, then it's it's such a powerful thing. But that's an amazing question to ask. I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat that question that. Who am I speaking to right now? And As which an, part of me is speaking? And which part of me is speaking? Who am I speaking to and which part of me is speaking? Right there, man. Can you imagine all the suffering in the world that could that could get avoided if you were actually able to ask that question consistently? That is so powerful. Now, let me, let me tell you how the program works. Mm. Because one of the skills that we teach people is what to do when you're in your adult self and your partner is an immature part of them and acting like a jerk. Uh, I don't know if you ever encountered that, but uh, most people have here and there. Uh, when you are doing well and you're in your adult and you're using these skills and your partner is in a childish part of them and they want nothing, all that is you and never and blame and blah, 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 blah. You try a couple, three times to get them back in their adult. And that sounds like this. Here's a $10,000 question. If you're watching or listening and you only get this, get this. Honey, I'm sorry you feel bad. I don't want you to feel bad. Here's the question. Is there anything I can say or do right now that would help you feel better? When in doubt. Is there anything I could say or do that would help you feel better? And that's right now. A lot of people get, well, you coulda and you shoulda and next time. And I, I, I can't do anything about the past or the future. Right now, what could I say or do to help you feel better? I'm at your service. So I talk about what I call relational mindfulness. You know, everybody says relationships are work, but nobody says what, they, what the work is. The work is in the moment. In this moment right now, am I going to go with the triggered part of me? Goddamn. Am I going to go with retaliation or withdrawal? Or am I going to take a breath, take a walk, have a chat with myself, come back into the ring when I'm like centered and say, okay, what do we need? In you know, it's like the difference between saying to somebody, I need sex. God damn it, I'm not getting enough sex in this relationship. Or saying, yeah. honey, we both deserve a good sex life. You know, we're kind of falling off the track here. Well, what do you think we need to do to get this back for both of us? Two ways of saying the same thing. But one is about I, 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 anger, 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 complaint, complaint, complaint. And the other one's about us. And it's forward looking. And it's gentle. And it's loving. You can be firm and you can be loving at the same time, but you have to practice it because it's rare in this culture. Yeah, that that's a fine line balance to to, to recognize it, to feel that need to or that desire to 
retaliate, right, wrong, push in, but then to actually go, okay, that's not going to get me to my goal. My goal is X and this will never get me that way. Even though our weird monkey instincts is to do that, right? That to take this other path um, is such a powerful lesson. And that relational mind, relational mindfulness, I've never heard that term before. And I think it's, I think it's a beautiful term. Thank I think it's, very, it's a very powerful thing is you're, you're, you are literally co-creating your reality together. And then being mindfulness, you have being aware of where you're both at at the same time, I think it's incredibly powerful. Uh, what, let me, all this stuff that you've been putting together, the 30 years of being therapy, the, the four books, the other book that's been coming out, all of this stuff right now, what is your, what I would call the holy grail? What is your end game? What is your ultimate desire from all of this work and effort that you've put into creating this type of educational materials and workshops? What is your personal holy grail for the work that you've been doing? You mean, what do I want my life to look like or what do I want my message to be or both? Well, let's go with both, actually. Those are two great um, uh, caveats, but I'd love to address both of those. Um, I, I was uh, sitting with my pal, Esther Perel. I don't know if you know her, but she's well-known in the sort of therapy sex world. And, uh, and we were talking about our brands. And uh, I told her what her brand was. Her brand was eroticism in the broadest sense of the word. Life force, energy, creativity, innovation, and sexiness. And she said, what's your brand? And I said, my brand is the warm healing power of connected relationships. The warm healing power of connection. We are so disconnected in this world. We disconnect from ourselves from what we're feeling. Uh, we disconnect from putting out what we really want. We certainly disconnect from vulnerability. And we disconnect from each other. And what I know, research is really clear. We human beings are designed for intimate connection. That's what we're designed for. That's how we operate best physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way. For example... I mean, I could give you hundreds of examples. Uh, there's, a, there's research. A person recovers from surgery and leaves the hospital, okay, mm -hmm. sooner or later in ways that are absolutely in line with how many visitors they get. The more visitors they get, the quicker they heal and they're out of the hospital. And there are like millions of research like this. Uh, intimacy is what little babies in the first weeks of life seek intimacy intimacy is what makes us happy it's what we're born if you are self-medicating somebody listening to me right now if you are abusing uh drugs or alcohol or a process like sex to make yourself feel better i'm telling you what you're making feel better is the pain and loneliness of not being with, but being alone. We are not designed to be alone. We co-regulate each other's nervous systems. We are absolutely social beings. And I want to teach people the technology of collaboration, of being with, of mutual empowerment, and get us out of the individualistic patriarchal nightmare of better than, less than, superior, inferior, dominator, 
dominated. That's the world we all live in. It's a sucky world. I want us to be in a world of mutuality, interdependency, and interconnection with ourselves, our own hearts, with our partners, with our work, with our state, with politics, and with the world, the planet, and spirit. We are born to be connected with, not above or below. That's a lie. Wow. That is so powerful. I think one of the questions that I've always sought out to try to have answered, and I think you've done a, a damn good job of it on this podcast, is how do I speak my voice at the same time, not not hurt the other and offend them? Because you know that's like the 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 the, the the definition of a difficult conversation is I have something inside me that I don't think is going to land well, especially if you have power over me or my situation, then you have this life of quiet desperation where people often go to the graves with the song unsung inside of them. So how do you balance out that? I have something within inside me that I think may not land well, but I also care about you to be able to speak the voice, but do it from a place of this loving space to have that connection. I think, I mean, the, crush a lot of this conversation has been is really a revolving around that conversation which i think is how to be how to be loving and powerful at the same time how to be loving and powerful at the same time that is yes. so powerful yeah uh, so here's a tip first of all get centered in the part of you that can be loving and powerful at the same time don't uh don't get knocked off your game by uh, being all you know, heated and automatic. This is for grown-ups. You have to really think. You're, get centered before you enter into the fray. Once you're centered, I, I can't uh, guarantee your result, but I, I can do the best, optimize your best chances. Start with your intention. I want everybody to listen to that again. Name your intention. I want to clear the air with you, Dylan, so that we can be closer to each other. Mm -hmm. I, I want to speak my mind with you so that I can hear what was going on with you and understand better. Your, your best intention will bring the other person in. You know, even something like racism, I write about racism in, in the new book. I don't. I tell my students, you don't call somebody out. Call them in. Call them in to the community of thoughtful, sensitive uh, people. And uh, it, it's all about, is this me versus you? Or is this the two of us as a team trying to work something out? That is the pivot. And if you really have in your heart you know, you let all the feelings of indignation and desperate, all that crap wash over you. And you're, you're, you're centered into, I care about this person. I want this to work. Then say that. Who started off confronting you ever by saying, hey, Dylan, the first thing I want you to understand is I care about you. And the reason why I'm talking to you right now is so that we can be closer and work things out. That's what I have in mind. That's so powerful. And it's something to, as an actual practice to get into, to recognize, okay, okay, this is, I'm start with love, lead with love, then lead with the intention. And then just in that place of just be with the person in the situation to be able to, how do we figure this out together? And in a collaborative space or a, 
I about collaboration even... versus power. And, and the other thing that you can do when you're the, uh, sort of calling somebody out on something mm-hmm. is appreciate them. This is my intention. I want to be closer to you. This is why I'm doing it. Let's talk about this together. We're a team. And I really appreciate this podcast. I really appreciate the work you do, Dylan. I really appreciate that you're willing to sit down and talk to me like this right now. Find something to appreciate in the person and give them a little positive TLC along with the medicine. Mm -hmm. So get yourself centered. Remember what your intention is and speak your best intention to the other person. And then appreciate something about them, even if it's the sheer act of sitting there and listening to you right now. Uh, do those three things and you, you increase the odds of being listened to uh, exponentially compared to the way we normally do it. And that's, I mean, it's so powerful. With those things being said, and I, I want to uh, talk about this one more question here is, so if the goal is to, for you is to, I mean, to really kind of create this more loving, co-regulating each other's nervous system, collaboration, be there for each other, being being both loving and powerful at the same time, speaking your voice, having them feel heard. And that is the holy grail for you and the message. What is the dragon? What is the biggest obstacle that we face or that you face in order to get to that goal or that destination? Um, grandiosity is the biggest dragon. Superiority. The belief, uh, this is what I, in the new book, I call it the great lie that our whole culture runs on. The belief that another human being can be essentially superior or inferior to another. You know, uh, think about slavery. Think about war. The first thing we do with an enemy is we leech the humanity out of them. They're less than human to us. That's the only way we can get it together to kill somebody. You can't look at somebody in the eye and really see them as a human like you and kill them at the same time. So empathy goes, superiority comes in, dominance comes in. Underneath all of that is usually shame insecurity you know the insecure bully but we don't care about that if your fist is landing on my face i I, first thing i want to do is deal with your fist so what takes us out of being with our is the myth of power and control above and below dominator dominated uh superior inferior all of that is nonsense you know our democracy is founded on the wisdom of we are all created equal, but we don't live like that. So I talk about what I call full respect living. And you know what? Lives can change after this podcast. Literally, if everybody listening was make this one commitment, including you, my friend, you ready? As of this moment, I will I'm, I'm not per, I will do my very best to not engage in disrespectful words or actions. If what I'm, I'm before I open my mouth, I ask myself, is this fall below the level of basic respect? And if the answer is yes, it does, shut up. But come hell or high water, and it, similarly, if somebody's dishing out disrespect to me, don't just sit there and take it push back, 
lovingly and firmly push back or break the transaction. But in either direction, I got to tell you something. I'm an old guy now. I've been around the block for, for a long time. At my age, I have a deal with the universe, Dylan. Here's my deal. If it's not kind, I'm not interested. If it's not kind, I'm not interested. And very much that includes me talking to me. I'll have some harsh point. Oh, you could have done better with that podcast. You talk too much. You should have let Dylan talk more. Yeah, fine. Maybe I should have. But that's not a bad point. But you know what? You're being nasty to me the way you say that. Be nice to me and I'll listen to you. And if we make a deal that we do not dish out nastiness and we do not tolerate nastiness, many of the lives of the people listening to this podcast will change as of today. I call it full respect living. I'm not disrespectful to you. I'm not interested in being disrespectfully treated. I want disrespect out of my life. That is incredibly powerful. And you're right. The being able to come from that place, recognize it, live by it, integrate it, and then and not tolerating yourself to yourself, not tolerating other people, to the point of saying it's not toleration with we responding with violence, but it's saying I'm gonna I'm gonna break the transaction. I'm gonna disengage. I'll, I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna state where I'm coming from. Being able to come from that place powerfully, uh, either whether it comes from within or going without, that could change the world. I think so, it can. Yeah. I think it can. That's so beautiful. So uh, with that being said, and with that mic drop of a comment that you just put in there, Terry, uh, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? I know you have a course that we put inside the show notes that anybody that's listening to this can go click on the info. And there's at the very bottom, there is a course that you have available that we've dropped in the notes. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to let people know about um, before you can tell them how to get a hold of you? I have, uh, yes, I have an online course called Staying in Love. It's for both individuals and couples. It's basic relationship skills, some of the stuff we've been talking about. Uh, go to my website, terryreal.com, just my name, T-E-R-R-Y-R-E-A-L. There's an inventory you can take to take the pulse of your relationship and just see how messed up you are or not. Uh, that's a good, there's lots of, uh, resources on the, on the website and, um, keep an eye out for the spring. I've got, I've got a new book coming out, which I think, uh, could, uh, could speak to a lot of people. I'm, uh, honored to say that, uh, uh, the forward was written by, uh, somebody that I've worked with who's proud to talk about it. Uh, a guy by the name of Bruce Springsteen has written the forward to my book. Powerful. That yeah. is incredible. Yeah. So keep an eye out for the spring. And the name of the book is called Us. And I'll hopefully be back to tell you more about it. That'd be beautiful. Uh, well, thank you for that. Glad to hear it. Looking forward to March when that book releases. In the meantime, you can go to terryreal.com's website, uh, download, uh, uh, look at some of those resources, and or get the course and the workshop that he has available online. Uh, with that being said, Terry, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. Very much appreciate it. And I will see you on the other side. Oh, that's terrific. Thank you for having me. You're, it's been great fun to talk to you. Absolutely, Terry. Have a beautiful and blessed day. I'll see you soon. Bye now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. 
While you're there, you can also take the Heroes Quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.